everybody it's Josh and Joe back with another flipping Matt's Wading pa- Wading Flats podcast from Fish Tackle Marine in San Antonio Texas want to give a shout out to Will Laws and his shop for letting us uh, set up here another week and do another podcast and we have a special guest for y'all this week we have Clendon Taylor from CNC Guide Service here in San Antonio Texas Clendon welcome man thank you guys thank you for having me how y'all doing today not too bad Yep, doing good, doing good. Weather's been kind of bad for fishing lately, but it ain't terrible. Yeah, I mean, you can't catch them if you don't go, you know. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. Well, let's get right to it, Clinton. So are you born and raised San Antonio? Or? Yes, sir. Native, uh, born and raised in San Antonio. Lived here all my life. Moved away a couple times, but always end up coming back. So. <laughs> well, it's not a bad place to live. Not at all. So how did you get your start into fishing? Man, I started fishing when I was, uh, my dad took me to the coast when I was five years old. And uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. Some old rickety pier at one of the hotels there, you know, Corpus or something like that. And uh, took me fishing, showed me the ropes there, and we spent the day on the pier. And I remember being hooked after that. And uh, I think shortly after that, he took me on an offshore trip and I caught a mahi-mahi. And that was, that was it. And then I came back, you know, from there growing up, I remember at some point in time getting so addicted to fishing that I'd wake up you know, four or five in the morning to watch hunting and fishing shows on the, on TV. My mom thought I was crazy. Uh, from there in, in elementary school, I went to the hooked on drugs or hooked on fishing, not on drugs <laughs> program. And they'd take all the kids out, you know, they'd have club meetings and stuff and they'd take all the kids out and to these, you know, ponds and stuff. And that was really where I kind of got my start on it all. And from there, just, man, anytime I could go to a pond, I'd get get dropped off wherever I could. Um, Pretty much, dude, I spent every waking minute of the day thinking about fishing in school. Well, there ain't nothing wrong with that. I think that's how uh, most guys like all of us that are quote unquote addicted to fishing is we all have a seem to have some kind of similar story but uh so now how old are you now i'm 32 about to be 33 this coming month okay cool cool so uh you did start cnc guide service correct yes sir and when did you start that uh i went full-time at the beginning well if you want to say full-time i I quit my old job to do uh to do this you know as, as follow it as a living um I want to say January uh, 1st of 2022. So I've been doing a little over a year now uh, as a primary thing. And then I was off and on guiding, you know, for the years prior, you know, previous to that here and there charging a little bit, but so far it's been pretty good. (laughs) And what did you do before guiding? And I've been construction my whole life welding. Um, I didn't go to college. So my, my thought process was learn as many trades as you possibly can no matter where you work in the world, you'll have a job of some sort. Uh, and before I started guiding, I was a supervisor for a fiberglass swimming pool company. So I left that making good money to, to go chase my dream. Well, there you go. Fiberglass pool. At least you know how to fix your boat. If you can get yeah. a hole in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We would install pools and stuff. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of work, but you know, I don't, I don't miss it. Well, 
when I met Clinton, this is the best dude ever. Uh, helped me work on my boat the first time I met him. Well, actually, what, second time, right? Probably, yeah, yeah, something like that. But after that, like, once we met, I don't know, it was kind of like, like, he's been, like, my friend for years, man. Stand-up dude. Appreciate um, that. Oh, yeah, man. Um, been there, like, all through my trials and errors, honestly. Like, every time I have a question, I call him. Um, the last one, he was there with me. We're on Medina. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. <laughs> the last one, uh, the strap the strap broke off of the, of the boat or uh, of the trailer. And uh, he came out there. And I was already like, I was already irritated with that. And then uh, go fish this one spot, pull up on it, and what, within like two minutes? Yeah. yeah. This dude had to show me up in front of my own kids. Oh, but that was that was the biggest bass I ever got in Medina, though. Yeah, yeah what, how much did it weigh again, Joe? I don't know, like eight something, eight nine. Something. It was a 10 pounder. <laughs> we, we didn't have a scale. Or no, we did have a yeah, scale. Yeah, I did. That's how I know it was a 10 See? something. <laughs> I said, how the first 10 in my boat in my live was not even going to be me that catches. That, that was a good time, though. But, that, was, that was fun. But I uh, met him through uh, the Bass Club fishing tournaments. And uh, it's been a good time, though, man. Um, been out on, on Browning a couple times, seen him out there. He actually got me started on Browning. So it's, he's a good guy, you know. Uh, definitely, if you guys need somebody to, to guide you in any water out here, it's, it's going to be clean. Cool, cool. So as far as uh, now that you've been doing it full time about a year with uh, your guide service, what would you say your expertise is? I mean, do you solely go for bass or do you do whatever the customer wants to do? So I offer uh, offer guide services on a handful of lakes around here, and I feel like I'm the only true multi-species guide based out of San Antonio. Um, I, I go after bass, crappie, catfish, redfish, and white bass. Uh, so depending on what the customer wants to fish for, it will kind of determine the lake. Or if they want to go to a certain lake, I'll say, well, what do you want to fish for out there? This is what I offer. And then, you know, I can give them recommendations on, hey, this is what's been hitting over here. You know, so uh, I find it hard to kind of just chase one species. If it swims, I want to try to catch it. Um, so I feel, I feel really... Feel like it's hard to stay limited to, to strictly bass, you know, like some of the guides do, or strictly redfish. I just enjoy catching fish at the end of the day, um, especially if my clients they just strictly want to catch fish. They don't care what we're fishing for. If they're hitting good on on Bronick and that's where the best bite has been lately, you know, I want to give them the most bang for their buck. I want to make sure they had a good time. So, and I and I think for the most part, when it boils down to us to it, all of us guys that are just out there fishing we just want to feel that tug on the end of the line and set the hook and reel something in that's true i did the whole tournament scene thing for many years strictly fishing for bass and you know that was a lot of fun i started doing that at like the age age of 15 and i fished tournaments for uh, well into my my late 20s before i finally kind of slowed down and said all right you know this is uh this is fun, but I want to focus on something else here. I want a different challenge. See, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're a multi-species guide, you know, because me having the my guide business down at the coast, you know, I kind of feel like I'm the same way, you know. You get customers that want to catch redfish, and you might go out there on those days, and it's just not a redfish day. It's a trout day. Or, and, I mean, you know, we don't, we, we don't, you know, 
I guess you could say we don't segregate. I mean, I'll catch hardheads, gaff top, skip jack. It don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we going to catch them. I'm the same way, you know, and, and I can't guarantee that I'm going to catch fish in every trip. You know, I tried to tell the customers if we're having a tough day, I can lead the horse to water, but I can't make it drink. I, can, I can't guarantee we're going to catch something every trip, but what I can guarantee is I'm going to do everything in my power to put you on those fish, you know, even if that means we have to switch to another species. So, like, on my boat, I've got uh, crappie stuff, and I've got bass gear at all times. Even if I'm catfishing or red fishing, I've got another set of tackle in there for us to switch if, in a last-ditch uh, effort, you know. So I get I try to give it my all all the way till the end. That's cool. That's cool. So I uh, I do follow you on social medias. You know, what are your social media handles that you like to use so people can follow you? Man, as far as the guide page goes, um, I really haven't done much advertising outside of Facebook. And so Facebook, it's uh, at C&C Guide Service. Uh, you know, you can you can find me on there. And just the other day, I finally started an Instagram uh that's casting and catching guide service is the handle on there but i haven't really worked on it yet i still gotta gotta add all the photos and stuff so i'm trying to branch out but pretty much as far as looking me up outside of my name on facebook it's going to be strictly facebook okay all right well you're getting the ball rolling you've only been doing yeah, it a year so yeah. you can type in casting and catching guide service on the internet and that'll be the first thing that will pop up for facebook so as far as, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about what you offer as a guide service. Um, what kind of equipment you run? I think I saw not too long ago you just got you a new boat and stuff like that. So Yes, sir. Uh, I ordered a, a, a Nitro Z21 XL in December of 21. Um, I received it in May of 22. And, I mean, it is tricked out to the max. And I've got uh, two Lawrence uh, 12 HDS units. Um, I've got the lives, I've got two Garmin 126s on there. I've got active target. I've got live scope, uh, plus, uh, it's got all the bells and whistles. It's a 21 foot nitro bass boat. Uh, got the dual console. We've got the middle seat, uh, ghost trolling motor. So 10 foot plate or 10 foot power poles. So it's got the 250 on it. So, I mean, it's, it's rigged and ready to go. That's awesome. That's badass. Um, as far as rods, though, I, I heard you, uh, well, I've seen that you linked up with another rod company. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Uh, Trica Fishing. Yeah. Trica rods are, and in my opinion, they are they are the best rod on the market right now. The lightest, most sensitive rods out there. Um, just truly a game changer, man. Yeah. So how did you link up with them? So actually, uh, Will over here at Fish Tackle Marine, I came in the shop one day to get some tackle, and he said, hey, man, I've, I've got a, a guy that's looking, you know, looking for another boat to do a photo shoot, if you're interested. Now that I had, you know, all this time, I said, yeah, absolutely. I've always wanted to get my feet wet in the fishing industry. It's kind of been a dream of mine since I was five. And uh, I linked up with him. Will and I went out there, and, and we met with Danny Uribe, um with Trica and, and the other couple of the other uh, other owners Ron Hedenberg um, we went out and did the photo shoot Danny put a bunch of rods in my boat I put my reels on him and, and Ron jumped in with us and kind of you know shot pictures of the rods the product and everything and we went out and fished uh, I think we did that that was like an afternoon to night trip 
I don't think I got home till like 11 that night. Oh, and wow. I was back on the lake at six in the morning <laughs> for another half day trip with him. And, you know, from there, I didn't really hear much. You know, I was kind of like, cool, you know, I've got to do, I, I can cross it off my bucket list, you know, we'll see where it goes. Next thing I know it, a few months later, I got a message saying, hey, man, uh, look, go check out this website. And I opened it up and I'm just all over the website. And I was like, holy cow. And from there, uh, Ron and, and Danny kind of reached out to me. They wanted to do a trip. Ron was coming down and I took him out to Choke Canyon. We just smashed the crappie. And from from then on, it's uh, it's been a, a beautiful relationship so far with him. And it's kind of blossomed into to what it is now. I'll be at the uh, the Houston uh, Expo coming up here on the March first through fifth, uh, representing the Trica booth down there with those guys. And you know, we'll see where it goes. But it's been really good. They take real good care of me and and their customers all together so far. Yeah, I haven't felt them yet, but you got them here, so I'll, I'll do it after the show. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as the company, uh, it's it's Trica, right? Trika, T-R-I-K-A. So they're a relatively new company in the rod industry, aren't they? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, they, I know they spent at least two years doing R&D, developing these rods. Um, Danny, he's one of the top, you know, rod and reel designers in the country, if not the world. Uh, what I you know, heard from him is there's only a handful of them that really know their craft. And he... Uh, he got with some other guys. I want to say one of the, the guys from Megabass uh, helped produce these. And there's one other guy. I can't remember. Oh, uh, I want to say uh, Brad Loomis from G. Loomis Rods. Okay. So I feel like if I, if I remember that correctly, those three kind of, you know, put this rod together. And then uh, Ron and a couple other guys from Trika helped design, you know, like the grips and things like that. But uh, they really took a bunch of rods. I mean, NRXs and all sorts of rods. From, from across the board and, and, and did a bunch of R&D and, and trying to, uh, you know, reverse engineer these rods and figure out what makes them so good, ultimately to create the best product they possibly can bring to market. Kind of looking through each one and exactly. taking taking the best of this and the best of that and exactly. putting it all rods, together. You know, putting them on strength test and, and stress test and sensitivity test and uh, just just finding everything they could to figure out, okay, how can we make this better? And that's when they came out with uh, the Trika rods. That's badass. Say, I got to look at one for a brief second, and the one thing that really stood out to me was the handles. The handles, yes, carbon fiber. Yeah, the carbon fiber wrap. I'd only seen that on one other rod before, and I think it was a uh, a custom-built Kistler rod. Okay. And someone had custom ordered it, and that was the only other time I had seen it or felt it. And man, I noticed that right off the bat when I saw that trica. They, uh, the first time I picked them up, I remember thinking, "Holy cow!" I went to cast, and you know, for what I'm used to, I just have a, a I don't have, I don't stick to one brand of rod. You know, I'm not married to one brand, so I, you know, had a broad spectrum. And I remember what I took my reel off of that rod. Let's say it was a drop shot or a Texas rig. I forgot. I put it on one of the trike rods. I went to cast. Almost threw the thing out of my hand. Like that's how light it was. I said, "Oh my god!" You know, and uh, I'll never forget. It was windy that day. It was already dark. Uh, Will and I were fishing, and I thought I had a bite about twenty foot with a with a drop shot weight on one of their spinning rods, the medium light. And come to find out, it was just my weight hitting the bottom 
of the rock down there. And I just, and I just never felt anything like that, especially on the, the drop shot rod I was using. I never felt the weight tick, you know, 20 foot down and 10 mile an hour winds like that before it could continually track it across the bottom. So that's when I really started to kind of fall in love with it. Awesome. Awesome. So needless to say, uh, you don't have, uh, all those different rods in your boat anymore. No, no, now, now I've got my, you know, my own lineup is, is all tracker rods now. So yeah, I've been blessed there. Definitely. So let's hear some stories, man. I'm sure some, some good guide stories, bro. Good guide stories. Well, I can say I've been very blessed in the sense the number one question I always get asked, especially from other guys is, have you had any bad customers yet? And I can say I'm truly blessed that I haven't had one bad customer yet. Not even the thought of, Hey, need this guy i can't wait for the trip to end like i need this guy off my boat or woman or nothing so um i guess the only bad incident i've had is i had one guy uh, i have a bad habit of always trying to stay out a little longer to try to fill limits and stuff past our our end time especially if i don't have another trip you know not double booked that day and i had these two guys and the whole day the crappie fishing on choke and i kept telling them hey don't pull back on the rod you know, vertically, you need to reel down and get it straight to where the rod's pointed at the line and then pull back that way. That way it's not put a bend on it. Mm -hmm. So he, he did good most of the day. And finally, I think we were like 10 fish shy of their two-man limit. I said, you know, we'll stay out like a little bit longer, 15, 30 minutes. Let's, let's fill this limit out. And I remember we were almost done 15 minutes into it. I'm helping his buddy uh, get a crappie off and I hear crack. And he said, oh, darn you know <laughs> a little more colorful words and i turned around i already knew what happened and he said man i broke it and i said that's okay you know here's another rod i grabbed it from him and uh i said just out of curiosity you know what happened and i'd kind of seen out of the corner of my eye what he was doing prior to me getting his buddy's fish but yeah he he bowed back on that thing and, and just kept pulling the wrong way and snapped it <laughs> so uh outside of that man most of my trips i mean they sometimes they get wild especially if like we're red fishing right and you got four or five i'll fish with eight rods if i'm live bait fishing i just put you know rods all out all over the boat depending on what the wind's doing when you got four rods going down after a school of reds comes through it gets pretty hectic especially if you only got two guests with you and yourself so then i'm setting the hook putting a rod down you know while they're fighting theirs you got to go under lines, over lines. Hey, come up here, go around here. And it gets pretty wild. But, you know, we, we do what we can to get them in. So I don't know if you guys ever watched his live footage, though. Have you? I don't know. I've watched a few of Dude, them. Yeah. Like, I remember uh, one day he came to me and he was like, What do you think about the lives? And I was like, I think you need to do as much as that as possible. Because the way the way he was catching them was ridiculous, dude. It, it was insane, bro. <laughs> I think I think I think the cool thing about the live is too is it really lets you see, like you're talking about, how fast all that stuff can happen. And you know, anybody that has spent a good amount of time fishing, whether it's been in a tournament or just fishing on your own, you know, you pull up on that right spot, or you all of a sudden start fishing with that right bait, and it can get hot and heavy in a hurry. When they're there and the bite's just right, you're presenting the right presentation, the right bait to them, uh, man, it can get hectic. Um, I, I know the one thing, I guess I did have one bad client. I wouldn't even call it bad, but he messaged me the night before. I was already booked the whole week and one day left. And he said, man, I want to go tomorrow. 
So I said, okay. I get to the lake. I do everything I need to do, and I'm waiting. I go to message him, you know, a few 10, 15 minutes before the trip to say, hey, this is where I'm at. And it said uh, messenger or cannot or I couldn't send messages to him, basically. I don't remember the exact message it sent me. But he wasn't going to receive any of my messages. I never experienced that. So I said, oh, you know, maybe phone's off or something. 30 minutes after waiting for him, you know, I'm all the other guys are getting ready to go out with their clients. They're telling me, yeah, are you, do you require a deposit? I said, no, you know, just try to give them the benefit of the doubt. They said, man, I remember one guy told me, he said, the main people I require deposits from are my family because they're always going to be the ones to stiff you. Yeah. <laughs> and so sure enough, ever since then, I started requiring deposits. But that one day, I went live a lot that day. I said, man, I'm already here. I got everything. I said, I'm going to go fish. I had more quadruples, triples, and doubles that day with redfish than I've ever had in my life. And it was all within, you know, a four to four to six-hour trip. I forgot how long I stayed out there. And I thought to myself, man, if that dude and his old lady would have come, they would have they would have limited out in, you know, first 10 minutes. Yeah. So that's another thing that's fun out there when they're hot and heavy. I've had clients, we hit our two-man limit in the first 10 minutes. And they're like, well, it's Sunday. It's, uh, you know, I, I can go back and do honeydews. I might as well call this trip over. And we're headed back in with after the first hour of the trip. Wow. So. Nothing wrong depends. with that. No. Those are the days I dreamed for. <laughs> Bumps up your hourly wage, huh? <laughs> My question is, though, like, coming from the both of you, like, how how do you deal with that? You know, give a give an aspect on, to the listener, like, with guiding, how, how hard is it actually? With, with as far as clientele, as far as doing the whole deposit thing, like, let, I want to hear something about that. Like, how actually, how it does it really go? Well, I would say the, uh, it kind of all depends on how you're booking your trips. Mm-hmm. You know, luckily in today's age with all the social media, you get a lot of trips that way. People finding you on Facebook, Instagram, but then you also have the apps and stuff, Venmo, Cash App, stuff like that. So that does make it really easy for people to Venmo you a hundred bucks to hold a date or something like that. Um, Down at the coast, I use the guide service fishing booker online a lot. And, uh, you know, it's really a pretty good deal because especially when you have people that are coming to your area that have never been there before, they don't know who to call. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. They just get on Fishing Booker. Like me, I mainly guide out of Rockport. So they just get on Fishing Booker, put what days they're going to be there, Rockport. And then anybody that has an open day on that calendar, your name pops up. So, I mean, it's basically like Airbnb for fishing guides. Okay. And they pick what kind of trip they want, how many people. Uh, fishing booker requires a deposit. They pay everything. And usually the deposit they require is just whatever portion of the trip they keep. Like I have it set up on my fishing booker. They keep 10% of my trip. That's the fee that they get. And the cool thing about fishing booker is too, is if you get there and they don't show up, you still get paid. You still get your deposit. I mean, you don't get paid the full amount, but all I have to do is message them. Hey, People didn't show up and the deposit they took gets transferred into my account. So I I utilize Fishing Booker a lot. The other nice thing about Fishing Booker, too, is since everything's documented, 
like at the end of the year, I can print off my reports, how many trips I did, how much money I charged, and makes it easy for tax purposes also. <laughs> yeah, I used Fishing Booker for a little while. Uh, I didn't keep up with it, though. I didn't like the... I didn't like having to give out my, you know, my full full day's worth of trips, but or or you know the the portion that they wanted, um, but then you know the lakes where I put it on, I'm competing with a lot of other guides out there too, who they're already okay with accepting. They're already charging a little less maybe, but they're they're also taking a bigger chunk out uh, or foot fishing booker is, so it puts them at the top of the list for advertising. Yes, it does. Now the uh, one thing I will say I don't like about fishing booker is when someone books a day it automatically blocks out your whole day yes so oh, okay. like yes. it doesn't you can't it doesn't trips. it doesn't advertise that hey you know especially like down in the summertime down at the coast that first four or five hours in the morning is great fishing well a lot of times that last three or four hours in the evening is good fishing too so i do a lot of double trips to where we fish from seven to noon and then you know, if I get booked a half day, we fish seven to noon and then I'll have other customers that'll show up at three o'clock and we'll fish till dark. Yep. So that's the only bad thing I don't like about fishing bookers. I haven't figured out a way to only block out half a day, you know, and yeah. so and then other people are typing your name and your name's not showing up anymore because you've already been booked. Yep. I will say to uh, touch base on on the question, you you know, you asked to elaborate on it, man, to be honest with you, uh, it's not as glamorous as everyone thinks it is, the guiding, you know, business. Everyone always says, oh, you got the dream job. You got this. And, hmm. You know, it, it. I love what I do. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm like anyone else. I want to fish for fun, you know, yeah. because guiding, the one thing you do have in the back of your mind at all times is, man, where are these fish at? What are they doing? It's almost like fishing a tournament every day. For those tournament fishers out there, you all know what I'm talking about, where when you're on the water, your mind, especially if the bite isn't going on, your mind's racing the entire time. Am I in the right spot? Am I throwing the right bait? Are they, what what water temp should I, you know, should I be over here? Should I be over there? That's how my mind's going when, when the bite isn't on. And especially if I'm, I'm crappie fishing, you know, I'm, all right, am I going to go to this brush pile? Or maybe they're over here. Are they in this depth of water? Well, the wind's blowing this hard, you know, it's slapping against the boat. So that limits me to how deep I can, act, how shallow I can actually fish on these piles or timber or whatever. Um, so it, when, when the bite's right, the bite's hot, it's great. But when it's not, especially if you're coming down to the, towards the end of the trip and you might only have one fish in there, or, you know, I've had a couple days and I'd say, I think like two days so far that where I absolutely got skunked, hmm. you know, but then I had another day where, uh, you know, and I try to make it up to the customers the best I can make it, you know, fair to them. But I had another day where it came down to a lot. We fished for three hours on a four hour trip without a bite. Finally, I switched up tactics completely. Within 30 minutes, we limited out, mm. you know, in the last hour of the trip. So, um, you know, things like that really, really, you know, give you your highs and lows on the guide, guiding part of it. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's work. It's not, hey, I get to fish every day. You know, a lot of time when I'm on the boat, depending on what we're fishing for in the beginning, I used to not fish with my clients because I tell them, Hey, look, if I fish, I'm going to catch fish. Like you paid to be here. So you can catch fish. All my attention and focus is on you today. Mm -hmm. Unless you want me to fish with you, you know, especially for crappie fishing, I will help you fill out their limits. You know, Hey, there we go. You know, I'm helping them catch. Uh, but outside of that, you know, once we hit our limits, I, you, know, I'm, you know, we can keep fishing. I have no problem with it. You, 
I'm not one of those guys that's going to say, oh, well, the moment we limit out, we're done. I don't care if you pay for four hours, eight hours, six hours, whatever it is, we're going back in now. You pay me for the full four, six or eight hours, we're going to fish the full four, six or eight hours. Mm -hmm. I guarantee that until you tell me otherwise. Um, you know, the booking side of things is I'm sure you get the same way outside of fishing bookers. Get a lot of people that message and say, hey, how much? Yeah. You know, okay, I'll get back to you. Or sometimes, hell, I'll tell them my prices. I won't even hear back from them. I yeah. get that a lot, you know. Mm. No, that, that definitely happens a lot. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times people have messaged me also looking for prices or available dates. And you go through your book and send it all to them. And then, yeah, I don't ever hear nothing back either. But I've noticed now that I've been doing it a little over a year now, those seem to be less and less, more few and far between. That's true, and, and especially after, uh, you know, now I've, I've really established myself, I think, you know, within the guide community, uh, you get more, you know, reputable. So where this year already I've seen a decrease in that. Most of the time when people reach out to me, they can look back and say, all right, this is a reputable guy. He knows what he's doing. He's not some, you know, fly-by-night guide. And so that's already started to decrease this year. Not to mention you get people, hey, this guy put us on fish. You know, he, he knows what he's doing. So that word of mouth really starts to spread too. And you start getting into the repeat customers. That is honestly a big majority. Even last year, I've already had multiple people go out with me. I mean, it's up to five times already. I had one guy book three times within a month. I mean, so I love that. I love my repeat customers. I love all my customers. But the people that keep coming back, that you know, keep putting food on the table for me, and that really means a lot to me because it feels like it lets me know that I'm doing a good job, you know, and, and it says a lot to me, speaks volumes without them even having to say anything. Just coming back just, you know, means the world because how many other guides are out there they could, you know, they could choose to go with. So, yeah, exactly. You know, we picked up a new member on the podcast now, Will from Fish Tackle Marine, owner operator. <laughs> we appreciate you letting us use your shop again, man. Anytime, anytime. But so the one thing that I noticed was probably the hardest when I first started the guide thing was you trying to learn who your friends are on the water. That ain't no lie right there. And, you know, as much as I hate to say it, I think as a fishing guide, sometimes I think you end up with more enemies than you do friends, you know, guys that I thought were you know, stand up dudes and stuff. And then the next thing I know, they're mad because I took their spot or I took whatever. And, it, it, you know, trying to separate yourself and do the right thing and not step on anybody's toes. But God, sometimes it seems hard. And that's almost a whole nother episode right there. It could be, it could be <laughs> called a cutthroat guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, I definitely experienced that um, in the very beginning. I, I didn't want to fish uh Bronick lake for a long time you know the the twin lakes around here because it was so diluted with guides already i kind of just went the majority of the year without even trying to step foot in there because i didn't really want to enter that inner circle kind of intimidated by it you know because these guides are good and uh you know and i, I experienced on other lakes too some of these other lakes uh, you know these guys will be your friend at the boat ramp and then once once that engine starts up and their clients are in the boat. It's uh, 
it's a whole different ball game right there. I mean, they might be, hey, how's it going? You know, I hope you have a great day. And the moment you start up and they head out, night and day difference. You yeah, know, I mean, I think that happens with a lot. Yeah. A lot of all aspects of life, things we do, there's a lot of cutthroat people and all that stuff. I've, I've had some, <clears throat> uh, some trips where I started up early in the morning and I was doing a lot better than these guys were. And, you know, my, my, uh, photos and things like that were showing where I wasn't seeing them post photos of fish by the end of their trips and they're fishing one way. Next thing I know it within the next few weeks, they're all fishing exactly like I am. Buddy, I'm going to join you. Yeah. Yeah. Fishing exactly like I am exactly on my spot. Sometime or one time, I'll never forget this. They all started before I did. They normally would start like seven, seven thirty. I would start all my trips at six thirty because I knew my bite was early and, uh, I'll never forget it. I wasn't even done catching bait that morning. And these guys were already taking off, you know, some of them in the no wake zone. They were on plane just, you know, trying to beat me to my area. By the time I got out there, all three, all four of them were literally 10, 20 foot apart fishing the one hole I was fishing. I said, okay, I see this. Well, you know what? I can't just catch fish here. I can catch fish all over this lake. So, you know, as frustrated as it can be, I try to turn every negative into a positive, right? There's always that silver lining. Yeah. And that's try to how I try to look at everything in life. So I remember that day, it really, uh, it, one, it was a compliment. It was the biggest compliment they could have ever given me. Instead of me being like, oh, F these guys, you know, whatever. Uh, I was like, man, I'm really doing something right. Not only are they completely switch tactics, completely switch whatever they were doing, and now they're even trying to beat me to my spot and they're all fishing there, I'm seriously doing something right because now I'm under their skin. Now I'm taking money, you know, from them or I guess low-key, I'm kind of showing them up, right? So it pushed me that day to go expand, uh, you know, to go to go do more scouting. And it really helped out uh, in the long run because I learned the lake even that much more and I had that many more spots to fish throughout the season. So Biggest compliment nobody ever gave you, right? Exactly. You know, the one thing I notice a lot is you would think you know of course everybody has their beliefs and stuff but i am a big believer in karma that's true you know and i i truly feel that you know with a lot of these guides i i really wish you know when i first started guiding i really thought all these guys had that i scratch your back you scratch mine kind of mentality you know and just a simple conversation you know, like I told you off the air, Clinton, mm-hmm. you know, conversation will eliminate a lot of confrontation. I love that. And, you know, one of the things is I, cause I mean, it's happened to me. I've been on both ends of it. I've been on ends where we're on a spot, we land on them, man, we're a couple of bites away from a limit and another guy drives by or something. And he's mad and kind of throwing his hands up. Cause I have, I, I guess I was in his spot or whatever when in the reality of it is he doesn't know how many fish I have in the box, That's true. but if he would have just shut down and picked up the phone and called me, I could have said, dude, I only need two more bites and we're limited out. He's in here next to me and I'll troll out and you just keep whacking them. That's uh, that right there is, is, I mean, that's a hundred percent the truth because I'm the same way. Right. I tell my customer, especially if you've gone with me once, matter of fact, I had one on a guy on McQueenie the other day. I said, Hey man, if he lives on the lake too, I said, look, don't now that you've gone out with me don't ever hesitate to call me and reach out to me and say hey look i'm over here what do you think i should do i will gladly take time out of my day and share information with you and give you you know what i think is going to be the best what, what i would be doing basically that day um i'm not one of those guys that doesn't 
doesn't share information because at the end of the day, I can catch fish multiple ways. Yeah, right? we don't want to get that bad reputation of being like, you know, asked. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's how you always been though. Yeah. Even even with all of us, man. Like, I don't know how many times I called you tonight before I'm going out. Because I mean, let's face it, from I started fishing and then I went hard at it. And now it's like every once in a while I go out, you know, because I don't know life happens. Yeah. But every time I'm like, hey, you know, what's going on over here? What do you think I should do between you and John, you know, Mike, you know, just to have a good day the next day. And, and you've always been like that. I really believe in karma. And, you know, I also like that. And honestly, I just like to see all my friend, friends or, yeah, you know, yeah, whoever course, you yeah. are. I just want to see everybody succeed, especially if you're doing what you love. Yeah, there's no reason to hate. Like, hey, yeah. we all have the passion for fishing. Let's all fish together. Too much man. of that in the world already. Why, right? Why, like, why add to it? I experience it in the, in the tackle world, too. I can only imagine. Especially on my online stuff. I'm not going to say any names, but a big, well-known tackle, not tackle, electronics company. I guess they're their, without saying it, their biggest electronics retailer for a certain brand, second biggest, I guess, in the U.S. Man. So I got online trying to figure out different ways. How can I set myself apart? How can I be different? You know what I mean? So I was making up different advertisements, you know, putting bling on this, you know, setting up. How does little old Will sell a unit versus a well-known brand? So I experienced that stuff too, you know what I mean? I, I, stuff on the little guy to, to elevate yourself, hate, whatever you want to call it. And you know, not to get off topic, but I, I can, I remember one time talking to the guys down at Falcon Lake Tackle. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember going in there when I was fishing tournaments at a younger age. And that was my favorite thing, you know, going there and, you, and everyone before, especially after, if it's a two day tournament, everyone's in that tackle shop yeah. that didn't do good that day, you know. Yeah. And the one thing that kills a lot of small business tackle shops is these online retailers. Yep. Now, I hate to say it, like, it's great. It's convenient. You know, Amazon, Amazon's convenient because you can sit on your phone. Yeah. But at the same time, like me personally, I love to put my hands on a product. Yeah. It's hard for me to buy stuff online unless I've already seen it. Um, and, and so, like, you know, as, as great as Tackle Warehouse is, yeah. I'll never forget the day he told me, he said, man, they killed so much of our business because now guys already come down here with what they think they need or, you know, yeah, yeah. really hurt the fishing industry in that aspect. Yeah, you can look at it that way too, but I also look at it as how can I adapt to be a part of that? That's true. That's, That's what true. I have to do. You got to overcome it, right? Yeah. And, well, you open an yeah. online store. Yeah. What is 100%. it? FishTackleMarine.com? Yep. That's it. Yeah. Yep. There's ways to use it to your advantage and some, of course, you're going to get discouraged and you want to give up and all that stuff, but you just have to jump in. Like, my mentality is, is if I'm not doing it, somebody else is. And like the old saying goes, yeah. if you can't beat them, join them, yeah. right? Yeah. Sink or swim. Yeah. That's right. So long as I'm not cheating, hurting anybody, you know, now I'm respecting myself and doing what I'm doing. I'm going to jump in and throw my hat in the ring, too. Yeah. 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 yeah, I just want to see everybody succeed. My life philosophy since I was a little kid going to church with my grandparents, the one thing that always stuck with me is, and I may be saying it wrong, but the gist of it is do as to others as you would want done to yourself. And that's kind of how I carry myself through our life i try to treat everybody the way i'd want to be treated that's kind of the first definition of karma right yes sir <laughs> yeah when it's, you see that guy's uh, tire fall off going down the road you know why <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know so those are a lot of things but the one thing i've noticed too is just since i've started guiding you know people talk about the bad things and man this and this guy was on my spot but i tell you what the people that I've met on my guide trips has just been to me that so far outweighs the bad oh, days on the water. Yes. I mean, people I've met, especially kids, women, or 
guys that don't get to fish a whole lot, maybe only get to fish once or twice a year, but they love doing it and they want to go do it. And I think it's days like that, that really just when you're sitting back looking at it, why did I choose to do this? You know, and it, it, it helps, it helps with the bad days when you're licking your wounds coming off the water. I think even those days you don't catch fish, but as long as you provide a good service, make them feel comfortable and all that stuff. Pretty sure y'all can relate to that. That that right there is a yeah. compliment in its own because I've had, like I said, I've had a couple of those days or maybe we don't limit out, you know, and, and I'm trying all I can, but for those people to still want to come back, that that speaks volumes yeah. right there. And They want to deal with you just because of that. You exactly. Know, you so well, you took you're, care you're of them. You're personable. Yeah. If you're personable, that to me, that's number one of being a guide, a successful guide. You have to be personable. And uh, even on them tough days like you're talking about, as tough as it gets, you know, like I said, it's not the dream job, the glamour job everybody thinks it is, but the people I get to meet every single day in and out just blows me away. I we mean, get I, ourselves up more than the actual customer. Yeah, I, I've met so many people that, I mean, have really uh, been a blessing in my life. And, and not only that has, has led me to not only making more money elsewhere, but uh, I mean, I learned so much every day about stuff I would have never, ever learned about outside of talking on the boat with them that day you know the talking about you're just selling as much as you're selling the fish that you put in the ice chest you're selling the experience 100 percent. and you know after the first year when i look back on like fishing booker and places like that where they leave you reviews and comments and stuff and when i see that i get just as many four and five star reviews from the people that went out with me that didn't catch limits as the people that gave me four and five stars because we did catch limits. It makes you kind of realize that, hey, you know, maybe you are doing something right. You know, um, one thing that, uh, man, I had it on the tip of my tongue. I was thinking about it. Reach over and grab it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it'll come back to me, but yeah, no, 100% what you said. And then, you know, just like, just getting to experience people and hear their stories that really makes the time fly by throughout the day. And you get to learn so much about people, understanding people as a whole, you know, and at the end of the day, it all, you almost, depending on how deep in conversation you get with these people really makes you realize like, you're not the only one struggling out there. You know, everyone's got their issues. Yeah. I tell you what, the, the cool thing about it is, man, you end up with some pretty funny stories also. I mean, things that you sit back and look on, and I still laugh about today. Like, I had these two guys book me for a trip, and this one guy, man, I felt so bad. But he and one of his best friends booked a trip with me, and we get out to the first spot, and we're fishing, and the guy picks up his – it wasn't brand new, but it was pretty new, a new rod and reel. And he goes to make his first cast and he throws that whole rod and reel in the water. I mean, he went to make a one-handed cast. And as soon as he, you know, let that thumb off that spool, that whole rod and reel went with it. So I stopped the boat, power pole down, and we're looking and we're in about three feet of water. And sure enough, the rod's laying down there on the ground and we scoop it out with the net and we're rinsing it off with water bottles and stuff. And it's so funny because that poor guy, his best friend did not let him live that down the whole day. Like we, we'd pull up to the next spot and he'd go pick up his rod to make the first cast. And his buddy's telling him, Hey, hold on to that thing tight. You know, <laughs> those are some of my favorite trips. And you get two good old boys out there that have been busting each other's chops up 
all their lives or whatever. Yeah, man, you can, yeah, you can sit back and just man, it's just it, you just let the jokes roll. And, and that's entertainment for us. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> why they say sometimes not about the fishing. You know? it, it's all about the experience, and that's what I was going to say earlier. Now I remember to any inspiring guides out there, um, no matter how successful you are bringing in fish, at the end of the day what I feel like people really take away is the experience. So you can be that guy that's super serious and it's just all about, Hey, I got to put fish in the boat. But at the end of the day, to me, what brings customers back is how, you know, how much did you try to, uh, to tend to these people? Um, you know, were you doing everything you can? I mean, are you moving all over the boat? Are you constantly, Hey, is there anything I can get you? You know, let me help you with this. Don't just sit back and, and, just be like, oh, okay, well, they got their fish. They can bring it in. You know, you, you want to be there 100%. Give it 110% at all times from the beginning of the trip to the end. And the, you know, the, 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 the effort. Yeah, the people, effort. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Show that you're initiating effort the whole time. Absolutely. And, you know, it's the little things that people take away from a fishing trip that you wouldn't even realize. Yep. So on a couple of trips that I've taken, especially, uh, so my wife, she's a big fisherwoman or fisherman. She, she's avid about it. She loves it as much as I do. Well, I've learned that if I book a trip and I've got a female or a couple of females on the boat, or especially one female and she's with her husband and his friends or whatever, sometimes if I've got room on the boat, I'll take my wife with me. Yeah. And you would be surprised how much more comfortable that one female's on the boat when there's another female. And the one thing I got to give my wife credit, <laughs> my best friend nicknamed her, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, calls her paparazzi because she takes <laughs> pictures of everything. But at the end of the trip, especially if I've got a family, uh, you know, a husband and wife and some kids, and my wife's telling them, hey, give me your airdrop. And she airdrops those people 60 pictures of kids holding fish, reeling in fish, you know, whatever. It's just that little bit extra that, man, that kid, you know, that parent doesn't really care whether that kid caught a 12-inch redfish or a 30-inch redfish. The smile and the pictures and the memories, that's the experience. That right there is what keeps keeps me going. I love some of my favorite trips are the teaching trips where people just want to learn because I love fishing and I want to spread the knowledge that I've acquired over the years uh, to whoever I can. If someone's willing to learn, the teaching type trips are my favorite trips where they don't care about catching fish. They want to learn different uh, techniques and, and different ways and how, how I find the fish and why I do what I do right. But the kid fishing trips are some of my favorite because that's honestly what got me into guiding was yeah i want to be a professional bass fisherman all my life and that's what i used to tell them all the time in yeah, school what are you going to do that, yeah. yeah and as you get older you realize okay it's not as easy as as you think it would be right but the one thing that really uh put this ball in motion was i would take people out fishing just for fun and then they'd catch the biggest bass of their life you know it might only been three pounds or they'd catch their first fish or their biggest fish whatever it was and seeing that smile on their face that's what truly clicked with me and said, Hey, you know what? This is I enjoy this more than I do fishing tournaments, more than I do fishing by myself. I love seeing that, that one smile that and you think about it, you think about your friends, it'll pop in your head. You can almost see it. That one smile that someone has on their face, their first fish, their biggest fish. That's what really got me into guiding what drives me. And I think those are the things that get forgotten oh, by yes. 
the guides that have been doing it for a long time. You know, it gets to the point to where it just becomes a business and you lose a little bit of that personal touch and that personal, you know, and it's not even the guides. I mean, Joe, I remember, what was it, a couple of weeks ago you went out with, I just saw a picture you posted on Facebook with your son and he's got that spinning rod bent over and he's got a smile on his face. I don't know if he had a fish or he was hung up on a dock, but he was looked like he was having fun. (laughs) He was. was. I mean, that's, you never know whose life you're going to change. Take them out fishing. You never know. Might switch their path in life to, you know, not be doing drugs or something. They get hooked on fishing. That's like uh, my one thing in my business. You know, I, I charge a hundred dollars for a third additional person. Right. But if they're 13 and under, I don't, you know, I, I want I want to teach kids how to fish because I remember sitting on my grandpa on the dock thinking to myself, man, I wish I could go out on a boat, you know, dreaming of it one day and just wishing one of these people would ask me. Matter of fact, if I'm scouting some days and I'm by myself and I see, you know, a kid or someone out there and they're just on the bank. Yeah, hey, come hop in. Yeah, let, let's go. Come on. You, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I was going to go out anyways, right? Like. Why don't you want to experience the lake more than you probably ever have? But take yeah. a kid fishing. I mean, I did that 100%. before. I did that before on Dunlop. Yep. Actually, one time. And it they makes were, people's day. Dude, they were stoked. Yes. They were stoked. And that's when I had the tracker. Oh, yeah. You know, but still, just to get them out. I had tracker. Hey, come on now. Hey. <laughs> I, I literally would sit there, and my grandpa and I would sit at Veronica Lake right next to the boat dock. And we'd be there all day. And I just remember seeing all these people going boats. You can find this one little spot. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a whole lake out there. And I just you're like, remember, you're not catching fish. Yeah. Same, yeah, yeah. And and I just wanted someone to say, hey, y'all want to join? Yeah, that's all I ever wanted. So yeah, no doubt. But um, so I guess you've been doing this over a year now. I mean, is this something that you're gonna? I mean, I, I guess naturally you're gonna continue to do it. I mean, seems like you've pretty much made this your life's work now your passion you know you've made it pretty clear that you wanted to get your foot in the door in the fishing industry and it yes. seemed like you've done it so my uh it might sound silly but you know growing up i never my parents weren't the ones to teach me hey you gotta you've got credits gotta be good you gotta do this you know i didn't i didn't learn those till it like hit me in the face oh snap you know credit yeah, i gotta pay for this what? Yeah. <laughs> uh you know and, and so retirement plan that was i never got taught that i honestly thought i was gonna be yeah, the first off in my head, I thought, oh, you know, at a young age, I'll retire by you know time I'm 40. I didn't think about inflation and all this other stuff. That was just a, a wild dream I made up, you know, in high school. And then I'm going to fish the rest of my life. So the reason I quit my job, uh, you know, granted, I loved what I did to an extent, but I wasn't happy every day. And that's what it was starting to affect my family. I was working 60 to 80 hours yeah. weeks, yeah. Um, coming home tired, miserable. If I had a tournament, you know, I was gone on the weekends uh, and, and I was just gone all the time. Right. Always away from home. And I wanted more time with my family. So I sat there one day. I thought, OK, what is a real retirement plan for you? What's going to let's be realistic here. And I thought to myself, what do you want to do? Well, I want to fish the rest of my life. And I sat there and I said, OK, well, how long is it going to take you, especially with the way the economy is today? Like, is that really going to be a feasible dream for you? And, and I sat there and I said, well, why wait? Till then to fish all the time when you could do it now you already have people asking you to take them fishing constantly i say you know what let's take that leap of faith and let's see if we can make a living out of it i already knew that i loved guiding people i love taking people fishing and that's really kind of what made me bite the bullet and, and and make that leap was why 
Yeah, of course, I'd like to retire. Of course, I'd love to fish for fun. That's my end goal. I don't want to have to rely on, I don't want fishing to become work. Yeah. I don't want to have to rely on fishing to make ends meet, which like now in between jobs, I still do some sort of, I, I, I freelance myself out or, you know, I subcontract myself out to do some construction work, this and that. Um, but at the end of the day, why not make money doing what you love now and instead of waiting till tomorrow? Because what if tomorrow never comes, right? Yeah. Um, so really, that's what it came down to. And that's really what made me take that leap. And I'm so glad I did, you know. You got to have a fallback plan. I tried to be smart about it. Well, what if this doesn't work or what if I don't have trips? You know, I don't want to, I don't want fishing to become work. You know, I remember listening to another podcast, I don't know, last year, the year before, but they were talking about that fallback plan or, mm -hmm. you know, what's your backup plan if this doesn't work out? And one of the things that he said was, well, if you've got a backup plan already, you're, you're probably not that invested in the in plan a if you're already thinking about plan b that and i've heard uh if you if you're even thinking about a backup plan yeah. you're already setting up for failure right so i don't try to think of it as a backup plan as much of as you know i try to be as realistic as i can you know i well, like to be a dreamer but let's see but see the nice thing is you spend enough years building your skills exactly. in another trade that even if your fishing career stopped tomorrow for whatever reason you're not really a plan B, but because of your previous life experiences, you do have something to fall back on just out of, because I've done it before. That's exactly what I looked at. Cause like, what if I tried to do the whole sponsor thing in the beginning years ago. And I remember when I was working 60 to 80 hours a week in the beginning, I didn't have time to do all this social media promotion and stuff for all these companies. So I finally said, Hey, look, I'm going to step back guys. Like, because fishing became work. I don't want my passion to become work, right? So I think of it as what if one day somehow, what if fishing becomes work and it gets boring or, or gets to the yeah, point where I don't enjoy it anymore? Well, then I'm not going to want to do it every day. I talked to one guy uh, and he's been doing this for many years. He's a guide on Bronick and Calaveras and he's told me he's already burnt out. And that's the one word I don't want to ever have to use with fishing. It's burnt out. That's our relaxation, our getaway. Exactly. And I, I, it's still to this day, like the other night, I was going to go, uh, I was going to go fish a different lake. And I still have that. I can't sleep at night, even though I get to fish almost every day. If I want jitter, I still yeah, get those jitters where it'll keep me up at night. And I'm just thinking in my head, okay, what am I going to do here? Like, I love that feeling. And that's what drives me, you know? Yeah. And you know, Will, I think, you taking that leap and opening this tackle shop and stuff like that, you know, you're in a similar situation. I mean, you had a trade as a mechanic for a long time. And I mean, I yeah, never, there is no plan B, C, D, this is plan A. I'm just going to make it work. And, and, yeah. and you're going to make it work. But what's nice is because of your life experiences, if for some reason something ever happened, yeah. you know that, I can go get a job. Got, I mean, I, it sounds terrible, but guess what? You can go get a you can go get a job at break check if yeah. you needed to, just to get a paycheck. Not that I got people calling me every day asking me to still do stuff for them. Yeah. So I like my hands clean, like a clean <laughs> <laughs> hands. That's but, right. And I think in life, everything. If you don't take that jump, you're never going to do what you're yeah. going to do in life. You know, you can plan what? all you want, but if you never you know, start to drink and make it happen. Exactly. Why well, live on that what if yeah. and be afraid of it for so long until the day comes and you're like, well, I should have. Yeah. I and wish I would have. Exactly. I mean, that's the same thing that happened when I moved here. I didn't have a damn job. You know, I 
my but you're wife. Gonna, you're going to find a way. And exactly. You know, yeah. we just had we just had our son, and now I'm going to move three states away. Yeah, that's you a, know, that's a scary thought. Like picked up everything, sold off everything, and then moved here. And I hate to plug yeah. this, but my little clothing line I have is called Unknown Fishing. Yeah, it's all about creating the unknown, <clears throat> getting out of your comfort zone, and all that stuff. My voice. Shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's the whole, I guess, the background story. Get out of your comfort zone, create the unknowns, get out and do it. Don't, don't worry about it. You're going to find a way to make it happen sooner or later. And I think if people just listen to kind of like even what we're sitting here talking about, I mean, if you think about it, that's how this dang podcast started. Yep. Yeah. I called up Joe one day because he used to have a podcast, and I was like, man, you need to get that thing started again because I want to be on a podcast. And he's yeah. like, uh, well, uh, well, I've been thinking about it, and I said, well, let's do it. So what did we do? We get on the internet, order some equipment and some microphones, and here we are sitting here having a few beers and trying to figure out uh, if we're sounding stupid or not. You know, and That's I the worst thing happening. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I've been thinking lately, too. I make all these long drives, to, especially since I fish all these different lakes. You know, I've got some lakes that are two hours away. You sit there, and you have all these thoughts going through your heads, all these ambitions, and like I almost thought about doing like a vlog thing. I'm no good with, with yeah. video and all that stuff. You never know till you do it. Yeah, like one thing I made a video on one day on the way to a choke was, I'll never forget. I used to watch and read all these Bassmaster magazines and how important electronics were, right? And I, when I joined my first fishing club at 15, go out with these older guys and I'd be like, hey, according to Bassmaster, we should be over here and we should use a sonar to find this. Yeah, and the old guy's like, I don't care. Yeah, they got all this high tech and they're like, nah, I don't even know how to use that thing. We're just going to yeah. go back and beat the bank. And, yeah. I always, and we'd come in and we, you know, the guy who won, he was doing kind of similar to you know what I, I would suggest. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking on my way to the lake one day, I was like, man, I could make a vlog on, on how people have all this high tech equipment, but they're too scared to use it. You know, like it, it, it's intimidating to them or they don't want to take up the time. And I get it. You know, you you only get to fish one or two days. You know, you work five days. You might get the weekend. It's hard. It was the hardest thing for me. Crappie fishing is what really, really made me put the time in to uh, to using sonar and really be able to sit back and spend hours graphing. But in the long run, once I learned the lake and where the brush piles were and, you know, all this other stuff, then once I went fishing the next time, it wasn't, oh, well, I did okay today or I only caught a couple. No, I limited out, you know, and, and now I knew where the fish were. I knew what they were doing. It's just putting all that stuff in the memory bank. Exactly. Yeah. So as you build those that memory bank, you learn all that stuff. And it's just, I heard a guy say one time that, you know, collecting knowledge is just picking up grains of sand and you're just putting them in a bucket. Anything you hear, you hear... You know, you tell me something about, like you and I just talked about, that little deal about being in the hook a little bit. Yeah. Put it in my memory bank. Will says something about, man, this crankbait working like this. Put it in the memory bank. And you just keep filling that bucket and filling that bucket. And I guess eventually you get to the point where, you know, it's not so much muscle memory, but it's just being able to draw on all those experiences that just make those decisions and stuff that you can make that much faster. That's true. And and the downside to anglers, we get set up on fishing on history, right? Yeah. Complacent. Uh, yeah. Very complacent. Well, I caught them here before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 1987. I caught a 10 pounder on this yep. rock pile. And the way that the weather and everything's changing so much, it really, uh, it makes it tough. You know, you get, you get complacent and you're like, Hey, I caught them over here. 
Oh, now, you know, they're not even there anymore. Yeah, especially when I was coping up, I'll see that. Oh, man, it's, yeah, that's a, that's a topic for a whole nother day. Sonar pings affecting fish and them getting smart well, Question, it. do you think pressure affects fish more now? My theory behind that is I think fish are used to us fishing for them or hearing boat noise all the time. So it's like in their environment, so it's a part of them. I think noise yeah. affects fish a lot. I think... Uh, one thing I'm kind of experiencing with right now is um, less noise. Like, let's say you're used to throwing a deep diving crankbait that rattles. Well, if everyone the last few yeah, years has yeah. been fishing that on that lake, now I'm a, I'm going to go to a silent crankbait, you know. Um, another thing I was watching a study the other day, they're talking about how we used to graph over spots. Well, I've always kind of been weird, leery of this, but the study kind of proved that the moment you pull up to that spot, especially if you graph over it, those fish don't even just move. They leave completely. Something as simple as even throwing a bait, once your bait enters the water and starts producing noise, will make fish leave. So those fish that you saw, oh, there's 10 of them down there. Now there might only be two or three. Uh, and sonar ping, especially on bronic calaveras. Um, if I'm live scoping fish, I can't even put the live scope on them for a long time anymore. I find them, locate them, and I have to move it off of them because they're hearing that ping. Yeah. That's why I was thinking, like, are the fish conditioned to hearing us running around the lake, hearing trolling motors and all that stuff, and they're used to it now? Is that affecting fishing, or is it all in there? Well, That's my end up. I think I kind of relate it to, because I notice it down at the coast with the redfish and stuff like that. Man, if you're running that trolling motor, it seems like those redfish, if you're following a school of fish and there's no wind and you're having to use that trolling motor, those fish seem to stay two cast ahead of you all mm -hmm. the time and it's like you're pushing out this cone of noise and they stay right on the edge of it but then you get a windy day where you don't have to run that trolling motor That's and right. you just go drifting and then the next thing you know you're catching them 10 feet from the boat exactly so take, take choke for instance with so much pressure the lake's getting how we were catching them just eyes closed you know what i mean versus going to sam rayburn they're still catching them why choke sucks so much now yeah, and I, I kind of relate it to, you know, I'm an avid hunter as well, and I kind of always, I see something on the fishing side, and I relate it back to, yeah, I'm not a hunter you know, I, I relate it back to like deer hunting or something. You know, I don't think that the pressure and the pinging and stuff like that necessarily like, hey, we got to go. Yeah, like, hey, we got to go, and all of a sudden they swim from the dam all the way up the river because guys are down there graphing. But what I think fish are realizing is, man, every time during the day, there's all this noise going on. Mm -hmm. And at night, there ain't nothing happening. So I can go out and do my deal. Well, it's kind of the same thing in hunting. Like you'll you'll pull up to your deer lease or wherever you hunt and all summer and in the spring when there's not a lot of activity, not a lot going on on the game cameras, you're getting pictures of these these deer all the time. And then all of a sudden opening weekend and every guy driving down the road in his truck and everybody's coming out to the properties and stuff. And all of a sudden, man, I ain't seen as many deer during the day, but now they're all showing up at night. And they're, so they, they change their patterns. And I think, yeah, that's what I, mean. I think that's kind of what's happening in the, in the fishing world is, you know, people so used to us being out there during the daytime, during the daytime that they kind of, you know, you hear it in the hunting world, they talk about, the big bucks that everybody tries to kill are so hard to kill because they're nocturnal. Well, it kind of makes you wonder, 
these 10 and 12 and 14 pound bass, I mean, yeah, you see guys like Josh Jones and stuff, catch them on live scope and all that. But, you know, how many of those guys wait till the cover of darkness to go out there and feed if you're a 10 pound bass or a 12 pound bass? I've always said that. Why don't we have like afternoon tournaments? You know what I mean? Instead of the early morning. I I'd like that a lot better. Yeah, I'm not a morning person either. I definitely, uh, <laughs> I definitely think there's some sort of pressure now, whether we can classify it or not. But there's definitely something that affects these fish oh, yeah. that makes them more aware. And let's say they don't leave the area, but they definitely shut down as yeah. far as, hey, every time we hear this noise, like you were saying, well, one of our buddies here gets hooked. Yeah, hey, he's, he's gone now. He's yeah, not he's here. Gone. <laughs> or, or something happens yeah. to us, so they get conditioned. Think they get conditioned and aware. See, and and I notice it a lot down at the coast too, where you'll go down there on a busy weekend, Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July, or hell, down here in Texas, any Saturday or Sunday from May until October, it's a madhouse down there at all the boat ramps. But if you notice, you go over to the fish cleaning station and you'll see guys filleting fish, and then you see a guy pull up with one fish or two fish. But if you notice the guys that seem to consistently catch more fish, I always notice they're decked out in their wading gear and stuff mm-hmm. like that because they're getting out of the boat. They're sliding along that flat stealthy and not moving a whole lot. No noise, no extracurriculars. And it always seems like they catch a few more fish. Yeah. Well, this is something I always wondered if fish get so used to us driving around making all this noise versus a lake like Ivy who hasn't seen all the pressure and fish are just constantly biting on everything. Yeah. Versus a lake that's getting so much pressure and they're kind of used to it, but they're still feeding and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be something to it. And then, you know, I'm sure there's scientists and stuff out there that can figure it out, but you know, this is, you know, those are just things that I've noticed, you know, over just spending days on the water. But so will you, I know, Joe met Clinton a few years ago. Tonight was actually the first night I've ever met Clinton face to face. So I follow him on social media and I've heard about him through the club and stuff like that. But you've known him probably the longest out of all of us, huh? No, but I did know of him probably 2007, 8, somewhere okay. around. Yeah. Oh, wow. Starberry, he worked at Bass Pro. And I actually joined the uh, Quality Bass Club. I remember joining that club and like being the young, young kids in there. Like, what the heck? There's all old people in here. There's nobody young in here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had a tournament on Amistad. That showed up. I think we showed up late or something. We're running across the lake, and I look over, and I'm like, man, who's this dude out here? It looks like freaking Hulk Hogan with a shirt off. What? And ended up being Clinton over here. Yeah, he's all muscular and everything, hanging out in the front of the boat fishing. I'm like, <laughs> well, I, I pro- see that every day. I promise you this is a podcast, but yeah. Clinton is the only one here that will fish with his shirt yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the only way I'm fishing with showing my six pack is if I've got one of those t-shirts that has the six pack painted on the front of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I remember seeing like Facebook posts and all this stuff. I'm like, who's this dude? This young kid with all these freaking giant bass and his shirt off. (laughs) Well, that's how I thought the the track of photo shoot was gonna go. (laughs) That's the next one. That that's the next one. Going in going in GQ. The photo shoot 2.0. Track a calendar (laughs) Exactly. Actually met him this year, right? Yeah, yeah. We well we last year with the leap. Well a few years back we met, but I didn't really get to start knowing you and, and talking oh, yeah, to you. Oh, yeah, the first regular. time we met was at Falcon that time. Yes, sir. Yeah. We stayed yeah. at the same, same hotel. 
But yeah, I didn't really get to start really establishing a true relationship with you, a real friendship until this last year. Yep, but I remember seeing them back in the day with shirt off all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you still got those pictures up and everything? I'm, I'm sure they can be found somewhere on the way. They're, they're on the, the Cal Coast. <laughs> That's right. The only person that gets to see that now is my old lady. You got our only fans. That's right. Fish, fishonly.com. But speaking of your old lady, I know that you've talked a little bit about family and being gone a lot and stuff like that. So, I mean, are you married? You have kids? I, I have. Uh, I've been stepdad for the last eight years. Uh, my uh, my fiance will be getting married April twenty second of this year. Hold on, she's marrying you, or uh... <laughs> I think it's she's marrying me. Yeah, yeah. As I told her in the beginning, I said we we knew each other in high school, and uh, I, you know I tried to shot my shot every now and then. And she never gave me the time of day. She always had a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, I wish, man. You know, and and Tinder came out, you know, seven years fast forward from when we graduated. And I would just swipe in. Swipe right. right, Swipe right. I said, man, this girl looks familiar. I said, you know, hold on. Let me type her name into Facebook. And I went over there on Facebook. And sure enough, it was her. I said, oh, and I hadn't talked to her in this whole time. And so I sent her a message. And uh, we hung out that night. And the rest is history. But I told her, I said, hey, you got, I'm going to give you a five-year minimum before I ever even think of popping the question. I told her now, you know, I love to fish. Like, I didn't want to settle down. Yeah. I had to be with, old, yeah, yeah, I had to be with someone who who allowed me to fish because I'd, I'd left a lot of women in, or or ended a lot of relationships over well, fishing I'm in the past. Her, yeah. That's right. <laughs> they write they write hit songs about that. Yeah, I was, I was prepared to be single the rest of my life as long as I could fish whenever I wanted, but... <laughs> She's been a she's been a true blessing in my life. She's really supported me. I, I don't know if I would have ever even made that leap for guiding if it wasn't for her. Cool. Uh, you know, having you know, being stepdad, I didn't even want kids. You know, at that point in time, but I met her kids and, and I just kind of we clicked and I fell in love with them. Uh, I met them when they're three and five, and now they're ten and thirteen. Wow! And so yeah, I've got to watch them grow up. And to be honest, I think it was a true blessing in my life because it really made me grow up that much yeah. more. Same you know, have, yeah, having to support a family, like I, I was just all about me, very selfish, yeah. you know, I knew what I wanted to do and that's all I cared about, you know, when as soon as you get a, a kid in your life, it changes your whole exactly. perspective and everything. So right. I've been very blessed for that. And yeah, come, come our six year anniversary. She said, all right, look here, man, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been five years. Are you going to pull the trigger or not? Cause I ain't wasting my time no more. You know, <laughs> you want to, you want to go jump in on this or not? And so here we are, uh, gotten engaged a couple of years ago we made a plan hey let's you know get a house and all this first and, and so now it's coming up i'm running out of time here april what 22nd 22nd yep. so you heard it here first on the mm-hmm. podcast he does have half day available that morning <laughs> <laughs> maybe even that night you know? yeah. you're, you're watching wa- the day before yeah your wife's never even met me she's gonna listen to this and be like you can't go back on that podcast no more <laughs> she'll laugh she's yeah she's uh she's honestly been just a, a huge supporter of what i do it even on my toughest days, she gives me the the uplifting I need to make yeah, me it's continue. Always cool to have somebody in your, yeah, in your back pocket. Like yeah, definitely so. have someone in your in your corner. But well, man, Clinton, I can't say thank you enough for coming on the podcast and you know just spending yeah. some time and some stories. And hopefully, you know, you're able to get some you know get some business from this, or you know, get the word out there about yeah. you, your guide business, about your partnership with trica rods and fish tackle marine and all that and will again as usual man we're in debt to you for letting us uh set up this thing at your shop every uh every wednesday we do appreciate it man of course of course the door is always open you guys 
We'll, uh, if anybody's interested in looking at a trika rod, getting their hands on, they can contact me, you know, through casting and catching guide service via Facebook or Instagram. They can contact Will at Fish Tackle Marine. We'll have some rods here for them. Um, if anybody wants electronics courses, uh, dialing in their graphs, if they want teaching courses, I offer things like that too. Even boating courses. You get a new boat and you're not sure what to do. You want to learn how to get on plane, how to handle rough water. We can get you taken care of. So you can contact any of us here through the podcast or, or like I said, at Fish Tackle Marine. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much again, Will, Clinton, Joe. Appreciate everything. Time. Talk to you all guys next time.